This Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Every month, One Country members are entered into amazing giveaways that do great stuff. Each giveaway gives back to a great cause because One Country believes that when you get, you give. Visit onecountry.com slash coach to become a member and get your first month free. Again, go to onecountry.com slash coach and experience winning that gives back. Also, our friends at Blue Delta Jeans. They make the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. Raw denim jeans, custom fit and hand tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. And by Connexial, the live supply chain company connecting one to all through superb technology and solutions to drive life. Fleet owners and logistics professionals trust Connexial to coach up their drivers, improving safety, cost, and compliance. Visit Connexial.com slash coach for more information. Coach Me Up podcast, man, I am fired up for today's guest, Chris Burke here. With the main man, Jimmy Dykes, we got Tyler Hansborough, the former National Player of the Year, former national champion from North Carolina. And Jimmy, I think you would agree, one of the realest dudes in college basketball history. Yeah, my all-time favorite guy to cover as a college basketball player. He was a three-time All-American. He was the National Player of the Year, and he did it, Chris, by excelling at the basics. Uh, which is not common. It's actually uncommon. But he wore the basics of basketball out. He's going to coach us up on what that meant, what that looks like, and how that can transfer to other areas of our lives. So I cannot wait to jump in with our time with three-time All-American, former National Player of the Year, one of the great college basketball players of all time, Tyler Hansbrough. Chris Burke, when I start talking college basketball and my all-time list of favorite college basketball players I've ever covered, Tyler Hansbrough is number one on that list. And, and I, wrote, I wrote about him in, in my book, actually, in one of the chapters. Um, and I say that because not because he was a four-time All-ACC player, the National Player of the Year, um, his number 50 jersey retired at North Carolina, a McDonald's All-American out of high school. I say that because in my eyes, he played the game the right way. He played the game the right way, and he excelled at it to a point where it became the thing to watch, the thing to do. He was must-see must TV when he played at North Carolina. We all remember the, the pictures of him bloody with nose against Duke, uh, but he excelled at uh, the common stuff, and that's why I wanted to have him on as a guest. I, I've had him on our list for a long time, but just now getting around to get, to get into him because I think there's so much to learn from a guy like you, Tyler, uh, that just shows up every day, man, showed up every single day and just wore people out. And we all need that, whether they're talking about our spiritual walk or just our day-to-day stuff we have in front of us. So, man, I, I really appreciate you having on. So, uh, t- tell us, I-, I never asked you this before. We-, we haven't really talked a lot in the past, but why North Carolina to start from when you came out of Poplar Bluff, Missouri? Why, why did you become a Tar Heel? Well, um, thanks, for, thanks for that, Jimmy, too. But uh, I-, I grew up in a small town, Missouri, and so I was raised a uh, Missouri Tiger fan my whole life. And I think uh, Mizzou was in a little bit of trouble when I was in high school. They had some rumors and some allegations with NCA, and I was getting recruited by a lot of schools. 
And so whenever, you know, all that stuff kind of happened with Mizzou, I really opened the door to a lot of other schools. And what really was a moving point and why I went to North Carolina is because of Coach Williams and uh, his coaching staff. I, I had developed a really close relationship with Joe Holiday, uh, who's one of the best people I know, and Coach Williams. And I felt like they were the two, two of the most honest people that I had met during my whole recruiting process. And the relationship that we had built, uh, that was um, those were two coaches I wanted to play for. So that's what led me to North Carolina. And honestly, I didn't even know that much about the family. Uh, I knew it was a good traditional school because they'd won a lot, hung a lot of banners. But my North Carolina history wasn't great uh, until I got here and I learned a lot. But the reason I went to North Carolina is because of uh, Roy Williams and his coaching staff. So, Tyler, you said that, that, and I'm a big fan of Joe's holiday as well, a longtime assistant with, with Coach Williams there at North Carolina. You said those two guys were the most honest guys you came across in the recruiting process. How did you figure that out? How did you see that? What jumped out to you in those conversations that said, I, I trust these two guys? What was it? <laughs> well, this is going to this is going to be a 180 from what I think is going on a lot in college recruiting, uh, particularly right now, is Coach Williams told me, like, listen, Tyler, I'm not going to guarantee you playing time. I'm not going to guarantee you anything. You're going to have to earn that. But I believe if you put the work in and uh, you do all the things you do, I think you'll play a significant amount and be a big, big part of our team. And I really like that honesty. And also uh, the relationship with Coach Holiday, uh, I felt very comfortable with him. You know, he joked, he laughed, and I was a very shy, quiet kid in high school. And so I felt like we had built a good enough relationship where he's somebody that I could talk to and trust. Uh, and I'm not saying that other schools that recruited me, <laughs> they weren't honest people. I mean, it was a hard decision. I really liked Tubby Smith. I thought Tubby Smith was one of the uh, best coaches in college, and I had developed a relationship with him. Uh, so it, it was very tough to tell him no, but uh, looking back, it's probably the best decision uh, I've made in my life is to come to North Carolina. That's interesting that you you almost went to Kentucky because I would say the the modern day Tyler Hansborough has been Oscar Shibway. You know, you guys have some some similarities in your tenacity and your motor and all those kinds of things. I'm interested in prior to your college choice. Like, it, what was your upbringing like? Tell tell me about mom and dad. And tell me about sports you played besides hoops. And then I'd really like to hear like at what point whether it be just a huge growth spur or just passion, like what was it where you're like, all right, I'm going to be a hooper. Well, um, it, it, it wasn't really a close decision, but I would say Kentucky and Tubby Smith, they were a close. I mean, if there was a second place, they'd probably be second, but North Carolina was, uh, you know, much, it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't that close of a decision, but uh, growing up, I played a ton of sports. My dad was a track and field athlete. He was a high jumper at Mizzou. Uh, so naturally, um, I tried to be a high jumper at the early uh, stages. Uh, I actually really enjoyed track. Uh, I enjoyed it. I ran the 400 and I uh, did the high jump. Uh, had a lot of fun. I played goalie. 
for a soccer team because I was tall and they felt like uh, <laughs> that would be a great position for me. But honestly, I got bored with uh, being a goalie and uh, playing soccer. <laughs> and uh, I remember the exact day I fell in love with basketball, though. I was, uh, I didn't think uh, I was, I don't know, I might have been uh, walking home from school. I was really young. And I was in the neighborhood, and there's a bunch of kids playing basketball, and they didn't have enough kids to play. And so I was much younger than the in uh, the group that was playing, and they needed uh, one more person. And so they asked me to play, and I never, you know, I'd watched my dad play, but I, you know, shot around a little bit. But I remember when I walked on the court and I played uh, pickup with them on the playground, uh, I fell in love instantly. And ever since that game. I went and worked on my game every single day after school for a long period of time. I tried to get better, like, all right, I'm going to make this elbow jump shot, and I'm going to shoot until I can't miss from this, like, this short-range elbow. And I wanted to get better so I could start winning game pickup games on the playground. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it, I mean, it was competitive. I loved the physicality of it. And also, you know, I, you know, I developed friends. And so, you know, I was on – I was shooting on the playground and I loved it. It's not like it didn't seem like it was work or something that, you know, I didn't want to do every single day. I like, I was pal, I want to get out there and start work. I just love playing. And, um, that's where I fell in love with it. But in fifth grade, now it was, uh, now it was eighth grade. Sorry. It was in between my eighth and ninth grade year where I had like a, you know, a five inch growth spur over the summer in a short amount of time. And I went from actually being a guard to uh, now I'm considered a big man because I was so tall. And um, so I grew a significant amount uh, in between my eighth and ninth grade summer. That got you to how tall? <laughs> I want to say I was about 6'6 my freshman year in high school. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I, you you standing in front of a soccer goal for two hours is not is not how God <laughs> made you at all. That time. is not good use of you at all. I, I, good decision. By I you. did like to lay people out though. That was one of my favorite things. Is they got close to the. <laughs> it was more like a rugby uh, than soccer oh, when they got close go. to the goal. But I did enjoy that part. Oh, that's awesome! So I I, I love this story, Chris. And I, maybe I've maybe you've heard it. Maybe I've told you, but. I was with Coach Williams. I think the I think the two summers after you left, Tyler, we were at a AU basketball event. I was there with just with ESPN hanging out. And I was walking out to go to the airport and Coach Williams said, Hey, can I can I catch a ride? I'm like, Yeah, absolutely you can catch a ride. I'll drive you to North Carolina if I need to. We're in Oklahoma at the time. <laughs> I just I just need to ride to the airport. But during that car ride, Tyler, I, I asked him, I said, Coach, what what made Tyler Hansbro Tyler Hansbro, and he, he paused for just four or five seconds, and he, I'll never forget, he looked at me and said, he never got bored with the basics. I said, what do you mean? And he said, man, I'm telling you, every single day, he wore people out with the basic stuff that everyone can do, but no one does it every single day. And that, that equated to you, he, he, he talked about how you stretched every day, how you hydrated every day, how you went to the trainer every day, how you talked every day, how you ran the floor every day, how you went to the boards every day, all the stuff that every college basketball player can do. 
you wore people's butt out by doing it day after day after day, rep after rep after rep, up and down the floor every time. And I think I think that is such a cool story um, of a guy that has really good talent. I'm not saying you don't have great talent. But you, have, I'm, I'm not saying that you're that you're not talented or have uber talent. You had really good talent, but you became the national player of the year by excelling at the common stuff, which is uncommon. A, a three-time All-American in college basketball. So, t- Tyler, I, I want to know. Tell Chris and I, coach us up on how you develop that mentality of day after day after day after day, please. Well, I, I will say Coach Williams was a great example of that. And when you actually, if you watch Coach Williams practice or you followed him through his career and kind of studied uh, him as a basketball coach, I would say the best thing about Coach Williams is how he prepares and prepares a team. And it's it's not uh, – Anybody that coaches against Coach Williams, you know every play they're going to do. Uh, he doesn't change yep. things up, but he does give his players freedom. And when you go and work, uh, you're going to put the work in. And I don't think that we grew as a team like we take we, we would take small steps, but there's not like one practice. Oh, you know, this just changed the whole year for us. It was those practices after practice every single day that made a huge uh, effect for us. But I, I've always been big on the basics and I know the analytics in basketball and sports right now, part of the reason why I don't, <clears throat> I'm not really full, fully in on the analytics is because I think it does get skewed a little bit to where people think that we've got to shoot more threes or no, we just got to stretch the floor. <clears throat> and you're seeing some of these good players try to do things that they're not really good at. Like, I, I don't understand why we would take somebody that's seven foot and try to turn them into an outside shooter. I think that there's a lot of value in scoring around the around the basket. And also, if you look at it analytically, the two highest shot percentage shots in basketball are the uncontested layup and the free throw. And so I, I'm a big believer in mastering those two things and the one thing that North Carolina, if you look at their big men, they all have really good hook shots. And the reason why they do that is because before every uh, Coach Williams starts practice, you do your favorite move and your counter move every single day. And so some of that, what I took in from Coach is, hey, if I get really good at my right-hand hook, then I can work with that. I felt like, in, you know, my <laughs> ever since my freshman year in college, and all the way until I stopped playing basketball, I felt like if if they didn't take away my right-hand hook, I could score on anybody in the world. And I truly felt like that because I put so much – I probably shot – I've shot so many right-hand hooks uh, that uh, I got that confidence. And also, it's just natural. And, you know, it's, it's mastering those basics and working on those things every single day that kind of – you know, it's, it gave me that confidence, but also, you know, I was pretty good at making those layups and, you know, pursuing the ball too. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and a lot of yeah, that you was were. repetition, but no, I, I, I actually, I'm a big believer, uh, especially today, because I think as a, I watch a lot of the younger kids play, I think that a lot of them are bypassing steps into being a great basketball player. I see somebody that's not really good at making layups or shooting free throws, but they want to really be a good three-point three point shooter. 
And there's so much more to the game than just shooting a three-point shot. And even scoring, if you look at it, you can impact the game in so many different ways and actually scoring, but everyone wants to have a good outside jump shot, and it just drives me crazy. Let, let, let me ask you something that uh, maybe – how old are you? I'm 37. Okay, and when did you stop playing? Uh, well – uh, probably two years ago, I started having some knee issues and I've, I've never been healthy since. So, okay. So, but professionally, when did you stop? Uh, was that two years ago? When the pandemic happened, I was in China playing and, uh, I came back okay. and I okay. signed a deal. Then I hurt my knee working out and I just haven't been healthy enough to, to play. Hey, just want to interrupt us for a second to remind everyone that our Coach Me Up podcast is powered by our friends at One Country. Go to onecountry.com, check out what they're doing. They have a fantastic giveaway each month, and they are phenomenal at when you get, you give. They have a huge heart for giving to others. So jump in there, become a member of their team as well. Those are my friends here in Northwest Arkansas, and this podcast isn't possible without One Country. You've had a little time away from playing where you probably have reflected and uh, observed the game in a little bit of a different lens. I know all of us do once we're out of the fire. As you look back, and we talk about mastering the basics and being great at the basics, and I brought up Shibway earlier. Let's po- I'll, I'll point back to him because I feel like there's some similarities maybe in y'all's game. At what point do you realize something that I do very well is actually abnormal to do very well. In other words, we, we tend to view motor as like heart. And then you realize, well, maybe motor is actually a skill or a talent that we tend to view in the realm of heart. But if everybody had your motor, you wouldn't be unique, right? If everybody could rebound, you know, get three offensive rebounds, put it in and then sprint back with the dude who's trying to beat him down the court and do it at six foot 10, for 40 minutes, Tyler Hansborough wouldn't be a legendary North Carolina player. He'd be just another six foot 10 guy, right? Like, I'm just curious as you reflect on what made you great, what are the things that um, you feel like were skills that maybe weren't viewed in that light, like what I just brought up, and maybe things that you did truly gain an advantage through maybe a mental edge or uh, something Coach Williams or maybe your dad taught you or another influence? that you feel like when you put them all together allowed you to have success above just the normal college basketball? No, that's a great career. question. And, uh, you know, first of all, I, I think one thing that uh, if I look back on my career and if you really look at my game, what kind of separated me was my ability to make shots through contact. And a lot of that has to do with our strength and conditioning coach at UNC, uh, Jonas Serration, who I think is one of the best coaches uh, in the country. And I put a lot of work in with him and I felt like I was probably stronger than almost every person I went against and almost in better shape. And that, uh, let me tell you, getting in shape sucks, but being in shape feels great. And it's, and I think as an athlete, when you know that you're in peak shape, you're always kind of chasing that because you want to be as best as you possibly can. And so it, once I got that feeling, I was always chasing, trying to be in the best shape I possibly could be. And so I think that gave me the ability, one, to uh, run the court. And if you 
you know, Coach Williams, one thing about his his style is he likes to get up and down the court. And as a big man, yeah. you got to run. If you want to play for Coach Williams, run the court and run it hard. And uh, you'll get playing time. And so I realized that. So early on, I was running as hard as I could. I was in the best shape I've ever been in my life coming in my freshman year. And I put a ton of work in with Coach uh, with, with Jonas Serration. And I felt like I could – I was as strong and as good a shape as I've ever been. It allowed me to handle contact and also get rebounds. I was a very good offensive rebounder as well. And so I think that, you know, being strong and being that good a shape allowed me to do those two things great. And uh, also, you know, being a good free throw shooter had a huge impact on my career. I was fouled a lot, got to the line because uh, I played so physical. And also, you know, we, we would wear teams down. And I think that had an impact on teams' defensive uh, discipline and teams were going to foul when they got tired and make mistakes. So we capitalized on that, and uh, I felt like those things really helped separate me. When you say like, – but the offense – sorry to nerd out on this, but you say you were a good offensive rebound. There's there's a bunch of dudes that that have your physical traits – that weren't that aren't and weren't great offensive rebounds, like great offensive rebounders. What what makes that like besides just motor? Like, is it are you is there a vision? Is there ability to read the bounces? Is there ability to create position as the ball's in the air? Like, how do you excel at that other than just the physical? Chris, piece? I'll be honest with you. I don't think I played against a big man in college that was in better shape than me, and so I had a high motor. And I know that sounds cocky, but uh, physically, I was as strong as anybody, if not stronger. There's one guy that comes to mind who I always had great battles with at Clemson. His name's Trevor Booker. And he was an absolute beast. And he was somebody who I was like, all right, this guy physically, I mean, he could be stronger than me or about the same. And so that's somebody who I had great battles with and I always look forward to that. But Mm -hmm. I, I will say the one thing I think that did separate me uh, is probably my motor. And I do know that sometimes in the second half in games, teams are going to wear down at some point and I, I, I stop blocking out or stop paying attention to the little things. And boom, yeah, well, you got, if you look right? at North Carolina, especially yeah. my team, we were, we ran so much. We we're also, you know, as, as far as offensive efficiency, we we're up there every single year. And that's also has to do with Coach Williams' style and the way he runs. We would score a lot. And so most teams didn't see that up and down style like we did. They might have seen it uh, a few times, but they didn't see it like we did it at North Carolina. So I always felt like in the later stages in the games, teams would start to wear down. You'd see those mistakes and we'd capitalize on them. Tyler, I heard this recently, and, and, and actually, you were one of the guys I thought of when, in the conversation that we were having, but uh, the, the statement was made that conviction is worthless unless it's converted into conduct. I think there's a lot of guys that wake up on game day or wake up in life every day, and they say, man, I'm, I'm, con- I'm convicted about this. But the follow-through just isn't there. The, the, it's one thing to say I'm going to go to the glass every time coach in this game and, and, and four minutes in the second half we put the film on and the shot's taken and you're just standing. Where did, where did, how does that – how did you get to that point 
where your conviction was followed up with conduct. I, I'm, I just think so many people need to learn that lesson right now, and I'd love for you to coach us up on that. Well, um, I, I played for some hard coaches growing up, too. My high school coach, uh, he wasn't easy, and if you didn't box out or you know go after a rebound, he would really get after you. And I think that's one thing If in college basketball, I think is a lot of kids are devaluing his coaching. And Coach Williams would hold you accountable. We'd watch a lot of film. If you didn't box out, you didn't go to the boards. Uh, you know, it was going to be highlighted. But, uh, you know, that's something that just – it's kind of hard to answer because I always felt like it was natural in a way. And I, I really mm-hmm. don't have, mm-hmm. like, this is why I did that. I, I just felt like, um, you know, I was playing to win. And that was one thing that you had to do to win. And it, it is a very simple concept, and people don't really say it much anymore, but rebounding wins championships. They used to say that 10 years ago before this analytics thing came into basketball and everyone started hemorrhaging threes. Uh, but rebounding was like one of the biggest <laughs> things in basketball. I'm going to use that line this year in a game and, and, and contribute it to threes. you. As my good friend Tyler Hansbro says, yes. they are hemorrhaging threes. Yes, as you're calling an Auburn basketball game. Anyway, sorry, Coach Pearl. No, and 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 so so l- let me ask you on that. So as we transitioning away from hoops, where are you taking that motor? Where are you taking that focus? Where are you taking that? Uh, being great at the basics like wh- wh- what's driving you now I, right now I this is going to sound weird is I've put so much into basketball I'm trying to find a little bit of balance and also see what I want to find in life that I have a true passion for like I did in basketball and I might not find that uh, I've been spending a lot of time with my family and hanging around with them and you know it's been um, in a way I didn't realize I could have this much fun outside of a basketball court and uh, catching up with them, hanging out with them and, and uh, doing things that I haven't done traveling a little bit, but I'm still looking to see what I'm passionate about. And uh, I've gotten in a little bit of uh, analyzing some basketball games. I do. I cover UNC basketball on my podcast, sleep Hawk worldwide, but we also cover everything. And I, I've enjoyed that. Uh, but I really haven't, you know, found an area where, you know, I want to really, really passionately pursue. And I'm still looking and hopefully I find that, but, you know, maybe I don't. And the coaching world, I think the coaching world needs you, Tyler. So I don't, I'll throw my, I'll throw my two cents in there with where, where you could head next. <laughs> I, I don't think I could coach in this era of basketball. I, I, and I, I, well, you're thinking college. You're thinking college. High school's a, no, little, different, I, a little different. I tell people game. if I were to coach, it'd yeah. be at the high school or professional level. And I think mm-hmm. that's, uh, I think that's where you can have a huge impact on people is uh, those two levels. I really do believe that. People think it's crazy when I say professionals, but hey, professionals want to get paid and they'll listen to coaching. And uh, if you have things that can mm. help them, then they will listen. And uh, I think. College kids now, there's too many outside voices. And I think that uh, I've been on this big rant on my podcast, and I've said that kids aren't valuing coaching or allowing coaches to discipline them or help develop them as people. They get too offended. And there used to be a saying, like, you should be worried when the coach isn't getting on you. And I think with the NIL era that kids are just transferring, leaving, 
because they don't like things that are being said and they're taking that same mentality to a different school and not getting the results that they want. So I, that's why I, I would have a real problem coaching in college because I just feel like if you put so much effort into trying to help improve a player on and off the court, then all of a sudden one day they're just gone. You know, that, that wouldn't sit <clears throat> real, real well with me. Yeah, no, it would not, nor should it, nor should it. I I, I want you to, uh, last thing, Ty, you've been very gracious with your time, but you mentioned those practices at North Carolina and, and the literally – thousands and thousands and thousands of right-handed jump hooks that you shot uh, from the time you started shooting them to the time you finished your career. But you but you made a great point that there, there never was that high, high wow in practice. Man, we've just made a huge, huge step. It was just small steps day after day after day. I think sometimes those, those – and that and, – and, when you're in the middle of that type of a scenario where practice and grinding in practice, October, November, you're just every, everything seems monotonous and the same. But it's those long stretches of nothing spectacular, I think, is what when we look back on our life, no matter what area we're looking at, that's what reveals our heart. That re- that's what reveals who we really are. And but my last thought I would like to get from you is to to just in the best you can explain to us what it means to not get bored with the basics when you're doing, when you're in the middle of those long stretches of it doesn't seem like anything's happening here just the importance of, of continuing to show up every single day as a dad as a worker as a friend as someone pursuing something speak to our audience right now on the value of just showing up and staying with it please yeah and <sighs> Man, that's uh, when you said even that's who you even are. off the in your core. That's yeah, who even you are. off the basketball court. You know, it's funny because my mom told me one time is like she was going through something, and one of her friends had just uh, was was really having a difficult time, and she didn't know what to do. But she was talking about the power of presence, just being there, and uh, it has a huge impact, especially you know in your ordinary life, but also. In in college basketball and basketball particularly, I would say that that time usually is around that Christmas break, especially for college, is when most kids aren't on campus, the basketball teams uh, in school, and people are at home with their families uh, celebrating. And you're seeing, you know, especially on social media now, you see everything, and you know, it's, there's not a lot of people at school. Sometimes, you know, I didn't go into the gym every single day. Uh, I know it sounds like sometimes people make me out to be like someone that's just, I just can't wait to get into the gym. But no, there's been a lot of times where I just, man, I just want to sit on the couch today. But having that discipline to show up, put the work in, even when you don't want to, uh, it really does pay off in the end. Because when you need that and also looking back, it makes the end game. And the pro- they always said the process is the most important part. Uh, winning the championship was great, but also, you know, going through that and, uh, you know, with, with your friends and the practices and pickups and all the, the times you did want to go to this gym, I, I think it really led us to that point. Uh, this last one for me. Coach us up. There's a lot of coaches that are listening. Coach us up on a great Roy Williams story. Give me, give me. Uh, if you could, if you could take this part of Roy Williams and put it into every coach, what would it be? 
Like, what was his greatness? What what was what, he didn't accidentally win all those ball games? What what was well, the it, of Roy he, well, in all seriousness, his his greatness comes in his preparation and uh, his discipline. Every if you if you went to one of his practices, you knew when he was going to do something. He had everything mapped out, planned down to the second, and his preparation uh, is unmatched and. You know, his organization, he's very organized and there's nothing, mm. you know, crazy or special that, uh, you know, a lot of people are looking for when they think about these great coaches. It was just, you know, he put the work in every single day and he was organized and he had a, you know, he had a plan. He knew what he wanted to do when he went into the gym. And I think that's, uh, that's very important too, because you can go in the gym for two hours and somebody can go in the gym for 20 minutes but the person that went in there for 20 yeah. minutes was very efficient mm-hmm. and knew what yeah. they wanted to do. Yep. And mm-hmm. I would say that's Coach Williams. When you go into the gym, he knew what he wanted to improve on, and he had a plan, and he did that every single day I was there for four years. And uh, it, it's never like we walked into the gym and we didn't know. We may have walked into the gym and didn't have a good attitude, and we ran, and then we came back later in the day. That wasn't planned. But um, – there's no there there's no magic potion or anything that you know is gonna make people's jaws drop. But the other thing that I will like mm-hmm. to say is I'm occasionally his golf partner and he's one of the most competitive people that I've ever met in my life. And I've never felt tense or tight playing for Coach Williams, but when we step on that golf court, course, I'm not as confident out there. <laughs> That's when you're nervous. Oh, yeah. you, you know, you'll have a putt to win a hole. And All right, big fella, we need this putt. You got to make it. And, boy, I, just, I start to shake a little bit. My knees get a little tight. <laughs> oh, man. That's funny. Yeah. But Tyler, you've been very gracious with your time. And we, we when we were looking down, when you're talking, it's because we we're, we're taking notes, man. I got a, a two pages of notes from listening to you. And uh, again, it's you're my all-time favorite college basketball player. I know you went on, had a successful career in the pros with Pacers and the Raptors. I think, I think the Hornets before you went international. But I'll say it again. Uh, you played the game the right way. You played the game the right way. And there's so many lessons to learn from watching someone do something the right way. I know our our, our listeners uh, will, will have a lot uh, to take away from our conversation today. So, man, thank you. Thank you very, very much. Thanks, for Jimmy. That means a lot. And I appreciate it, Chris, too. Thanks, guys. Well, Jimmy, that was a treat. Um, you know, I, I didn't have the heart to tell Tyler this, but, you know, my favorite player growing up was Bobby Hurley. Oh. And so uh, I was kind of a closet dookie. Not really closet. That's the wrong term. I was a dookie until I became a vol. And I, I've kind of put the No, dookie, it's not that you uh, didn't have the heart. God gave you wisdom. Wisdom. Not to say I that. had the wisdom. That's right. That's right. We wouldn't have had him as our guest. But I grew up, I grew up a, a Bobby Hurley fan, a, a Grant Hill fan, a Wojo fan. Like, I love Jay Williams. Like, that, those were the point guards. Those were the players that I grew up, uh, Duke was easy to root for, right? Well, some people would disagree with that statement, but they were winning a lot. So as a kid who, uh, who grew up in, in the 90s, you know, I was born in 1980. So the 90s were like my kind of formative years. Like Duke was great, right? And so I enjoyed watching Duke slap the floor and the whole deal. Yeah. But with that, I also 
was a guy that that really enjoyed the Duke Carolina rivalries and watching Tyler Hansborough do his thing. If you're an athlete, you're a competitor. You loved watching Tyler Hansborough compete, whether you were rooting for for Duke or Carolina, right? So it was cool to hear from him, cool to get to know him. I was trying to get him to be a little reflective, and I, I could tell that maybe he's still not quite there yet. Um, because to me, his greatest talents are his motor. And sometimes we, we uh, think motor's just heart, but motor's truly a gift, right? I mean, if, if, if every, if every uh, let's just say, uh, marathon runner had, had the same motor, they'd all tie, right? Like some have right. greater motors. They're just able to reproduce high levels of energy more often. And that actually is a skill that, just like every other skill, it can be developed. Um, but I, I was comparing him to Shibway. I think you're, are you okay with that comparison? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and the same way with watching Shibway, like he doesn't, he's six foot nine with longish arms and jumps pretty good. But how many of those dudes are there? Right. There's, there's plenty in college basketball. Why does he get 20 rebounds a game? There's something different about Oscar Shibway. There was something different about Tyler Hansborough. And it's cool to hear him talk because I, the thing that jumped out the most to me just as an athlete he loved being in great shape. Like he loved that as much as he loved making hook shots and free throws. He realized that being in great shape was every bit of part of him being great as making baby hooks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, he, he, he loved the hard stuff. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know how hard it is to get in great shape? It's, it's, it's ridiculously hard. Mm-hmm. But he and loved it. But he loved it. He fell in love with the hard stuff. And uh, he was, uh, to excel at the uncommon uh, is a, a special To special excel choice. at the common. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, yeah, that's what I mean, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is uncommon. It's, it's uncommon mm-hmm. to excel at it the is. common. But he made the choice. And I think we, we, we all have that same choice, Chris. We all have that same choice. Uh, do I want to excel at the common or not? And what what's the common for us as believers? It's well, one 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 thing is daily time with God. Does, are, am I going to show up every single day? It might be for ten minutes one day. It might be for twenty minutes the next day. It might be four the next day. It might be twenty seven the next day. But am I? But I'm going to show up every single day. Even sometimes when I talk with Tyler about it, those long periods of it seems like nothing's happening here. Am I? Am I really? Am I? I'm not. I'm not hearing from God. I'm not feeling anything new. Those long stretches of just showing mm-hmm. up, though, at God's feet, is so so important. Mm-hmm. You know, and I yeah, I, and so, you don't wake up one day with a great relationship with the Lord. You no. don't wake up one day with a great relationship with your wife. You don't wake nope. up one day with a great relationship with your kids. It's a daily devotion to being committed to the little things that yes. build the, you know, and I yes. think about the the power of a dude who understood that being in world-class shape and getting your butt in the weight room in August and September and October is what allowed him to shine in February and March. Absolutely. But you have to have a picture of 
what February and March looks like and what you need to excel in February. And heck, let's not even say February and March. How about just the second half of a ball game? Yeah, right? He understands. He, he, he talked about that a lot, right? He understood that the devotion to being great in the weight room and with his cardiovascular shape was what's going to allow him to be great in the last six, eight minutes of a ball game. Because everybody comes, you call the biggest games in the sport. Everybody's juiced up the first till the first TV timeout. Sure, everybody's juiced up to start that game when the arena is going nuts, right? But the last six eight minutes of a ball game, you can want to be great in those moments, but if you haven't put in the work to be great in those moments, it's your body's going to fail you, right? And so you think about that from a spiritual standpoint or a relational standpoint. Like we all want to have these. What uh, our uh, pastor says in, in uh, men's ministry all the time have a have a marriage that's that's thriving with passion and romance like everybody would raise their hand for that but that like that doesn't happen just on a great date night on friday night like no. the, the time that's put into that on in the little things and the daily things and spending time asking your wife how her day's going or you know uh communicating with her while you're on the road and disconnected from her in the physical sense um those are the things i have to pay attention to uh, or else date night's probably not going to go well, right? No, 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 no. Date, <laughs> She's going to look at me and be like, who are you? No, not going to go well, not going to end well. <laughs> you know, I, I, I told him I told him uh, about that statement, conviction is worthless unless it's converted into conduct. Mm. And and to your point there about, and then Tyler admitted, he said, there, there were days when I, I did not want to get off the couch, but I made the decision to go. Knowing that that and he and he said I was playing to win, so spiritually, are we are 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 we playing to win? Are we playing to tie? Are we playing just to be in the game? Because if we're playing to win, then we make the choice daily to pursue that. At least we should be, you know. And there, I'll be completely transparent. We are on our podcast. There's times where I. I'm tired. I'm whatever the whatever the reason is. I don't want to go spend time in my office uh, reading my devotional, reading through Proverbs, whatever I'm reading during that season of my life. There are times I just I don't have a desire to do it, but I still make the choice to go. I still make the choice to go ninety five percent of the time. Uh, because I want to win. I want to win in life. I want to win in my pursuit of God. I want to win in Him changing who I am as a person. I want to win in Him changing my heart. I want to win in Him uh, helping me lead my family better. I want to. I want to win in 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 all those areas. Ultimately, I want to win. But I'm not going to win if I am not spending time daily with the Lord. I know that about myself. Maybe other people are different. I just know for me, Chris. It's a showing up every single day saying, God, I love you. I need you. Teach me, show me, uh, lead me, guide me, protect me, all those things that I my conversation centers around. Um, I, I think there's so much parallel between the track that Tyler Hansborough had as a player and as a person and where we are spiritually. I, there's a, there's a, in 2 Timothy, it says, for the Spirit of God gave us the spirit, that, the spirit that God gave us uh, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That Holy Spirit that lives inside of us as a believer, one of His promises, it gives us self-discipline if we act on it, and we nurture it, and we and, and we use it, and we utilize it. Uh, 
and I think that's the takeaway today with our conversation with Tyler Hansbrough is the importance of not being bored with the basics in our faith. And we all know what those basics probably are and should be. Uh, but it's a, just a great reminder that uh, we can say we're a follower of, of Jesus. Uh, we can do some things that, that kind of show people we're a follower of Jesus. But man, our, our, uh, our conviction is worthless unless it's followed by conduct. And the basic conduct is day-to-day grind, man. Mm-hmm. Like he said Roy Williams just showed up every day with a plan and it was just consistent step after mm-hmm. step after step. And I, I love that for, for, for you and I uh, and our listeners today to understand that lesson. Yeah, well, nobody helicopters in to the biggest moments of their life, right? It's all a gradual process to that point. Tyler Hansborough didn't just show up in the Final Four. There's a, you know, Roy Williams didn't trip his way into whatever, a thousand wins, whatever it was. But I, I always get a smile when you ask somebody, give me the secret sauce, and they disappoint you. I love. I actually really like that because it's just more conviction. Yeah. Of there are no there are no secrets. The best are the best at the ordinary things that actually everybody kind of already knows. It's just a matter of and and we all know that you know some people are just gifted more at getting other people to to get into the direction that they're trying to get them in. Right? There's certain yeah. coaches are just better at certain things than others, but like. I'm trying to give me the secret sauce to Coach Williams. Uh, he's organized. Uh, he's he's pretty good at running a practice. Like, come on, there's got to be more than that. Give yeah, me yeah. no, no. He's just uh, he was prepared. Really, and he was disciplined. Yeah, at, like you know what I'm saying. And and, and yeah. I just I think I think to me that's actually encouraging. Of like, there's not some secret playbook out there that I'm not. Uh, uh, I don't have access to. No, yeah, it's just yes. like, hey, dude. What do you need to get better at? This I'm, I'm, I'm coaching myself up and I'm coaching our, our listener. What do I need to get better at? And then make your list, your priority list on that. And that is as practical as like your seventh and eighth grade football team you're going to coach tonight or as big as how do I get my marriage back on track or how do yeah. I get my health and fitness back on track? Like whatever, yeah. how do I get my connection with the Lord back on track? Like it's no secret sauce. You yeah. got to make it a priority, and you got to be disciplined and organized. Uh, and and especially as we're talking about our faith life, like when we draw near James four eight, draw near the Lord, He will draw near to you. Like, but it, you have to take steps. You got to get moving in that direction. Yep. Last story. Because um, I went back and read the chapter that I wrote on some of most of it was on Tyler Hansbro in one of the chapters in my book, but I also had a story in there about Mike Slive, the former commissioner of the SEC, who he really elevated that league. I know you knew, I know you knew the commissioner very, very well like I did. Um, but I read a story that for the entire time he was the commissioner of the league. And when you're the commissioner of the SEC, you're as, you're as busy of a dude as anyone out there. So we make time for what's important to us, or at least that's what, we, mm-hmm. that's what our yeah. life shows when you look back on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those, I believe it was 13 years, Chris, that he was the commissioner of the SEC. Uh, he was up every day at 4.50 a.m. Um, and then, you know, worked. He took the SEC. When he took over, the SEC was generating $90 million a year. When he left, it was generating over $300 million a year. The SEC network was formed. The expan- expansion of Missouri and South Carolina was under him. He, I mean, he was as big of a voice in college athletics, not just the SEC overall. 
in terms of influencing college football, all those things. Uh, but again, he excelled at the common. Uh, every day for 13 years, he wrote a note to his wife before he left uh, to go to the office, telling her how much he enjoyed the evening last night, giving her his itinerary for the day, and telling her uh, how much she means to him and uh, how he's looking forward to seeing her uh, when he got home. So <clears throat> that that's just a, an everyday showing mm. up. Nothing flashy. Yeah. Just the common, basic, excelling at the mm -hmm. common stuff. Uh, another great example of, of, of someone from Mike's Live. So, that's an awesome uh, story. Yeah. Anyways, another great time with you. You're, uh, man, you have been getting after it in college baseball, the College World Series. And uh, now I think you have the draft coming up next. So, uh, we appreciate you making time to once again on our podcast with us mm. you're, you're sometimes I, got some, I, I will tell you on the road I, it yep. was very encouraging some people that came up just totally out of the blue telling telling me that they listened to our podcast so i was very encouraging that's awesome i, I was yeah. getting ice cream in uh, gatlinburg tennessee uh earlier this week my wife and daughter and i were there on vacation the guy in front of me turned around and said hey uh, you don't you don't know me I love your podcast, man. I listen to it all the time, so keep it going. So we, we appreciate, awesome. yeah, we, yeah, we appreciate that. Awesome. And, and more importantly, yeah. uh, Father, we thank you uh, for who you are. Uh, we thank you for what you do in our podcast. Lord, may your name be lifted up uh, in our conversations. We thank you for the lessons that Tyler Hensborough uh, taught us today. May we apply that, Lord, to our pursuit of you, allowing you to change our heart and change who we are. God, help us to excel at the common at the common parts of our life lord and speak to each of us lord as this day goes on and reveal to us uh, maybe where we're failing in some common areas lord and uh, set us back on the right path we love you we thank you for who you are and god we thank you for our podcast and we ask all this in the precious name of jesus amen